Hey there, welcome to the Lead Bold Podcast, a place where we engage in incredible conversations with amazing leaders in ministry and ministry partners as we encourage and challenge one another to live fully into what God is calling us to be. For each episode here on the Lead Bold Podcast, we focus in on what we call the three W's when it comes to talking to our guests. The first W is a word, something that has been given to them or been put on their heart by God about working in ministry. Two is a warning, something that they have learned from, can share insight for, or can even kind of open up vulnerability about failures and places where they have room to grow. And lastly, wow, a time in their ministry and in their walk with Jesus where they have been blown away by what God has done and what he has taught them. Let's jump into our episode for today. Well, Lead Bold listeners, you are going to absolutely adore our guest for today. Today, we get to speak with Kelly Goddard. Kelly is an author, a speaker, and a leadership consultant. She spent 30 years in training and leadership development and continues to catalyze personal and organizational growth among faith and business leaders. She travels internationally, helping leaders develop skills that increase their capacity to listen and to lead with love. Her authentic, engaging style creates an open and energetic learning environment focused on moving below the surface into the deep waters of transformation. She is the founder and executive director of Deep Well Sustainable Leadership, a global community of women exploring leadership that flows from a centered soul. She has her master's degree in spiritual formation and leadership and a DM in spiritual renewal, contemplative practice, and strategic leadership. Her memoir, Unlikely Rebel, A Church Girl's Journey Out of Shoulds and Shame, was originally released in 2015 and in Arabic in 2022. Kelly finds renewal in silence and solitude, an exercise like running and paddle boarding on the ocean near her home in Santa Cruz. She has been married to her husband Richard for 33 years, and they have three adult children, a wonderful daughter-in-law, and a brand new grandchild. Let's hear from Andrea and get into our episode. In this episode, we're joined by Kelly Goddard, who's been working with leaders for over 30 years. She's primarily focused on helping women, both here in the U.S. as well as in the Middle East, by the way, um, helping women go deeper with God. And so, of course, our conversation with her is all about that, Uh, kind of thinking about the intersection of spirituality, the vitality of spirituality, and strategic leadership. And we'll talk about what it looks like in all of that to have compassion for ourselves um, and how that impacts not only our inner selves, but our whole leadership. She's got some great insights about how to stay healthy, even when we are in the middle of an unhealthy system. And and overall, the the things we're going to talk about in this conversation, they're going to help you look inward to ways that you can nurture your inner life in a way that affects your leadership and has lasting effects on your ministry. So we know that you'll appreciate this conversation with Kelly. We sure did. Hey, Lead Bold, we're back with another sure-to-be-amazing episode where um, we are going to have a really fantastic conversation, and I have a feeling it's going to be really important for all of you. That was a big, grandiose statement. Erin, my (laughs) co-host, do you agree with what I just said? 110%, and with as much vigor and grandioseness. Is that even a word, grandioseness? With as much grandioseness as you. It is now. (laughs) Yes. Oh, let's try to use the word grandioseness as much as possible in this episode. 100%. Okay. So with that, we'll introduce our guest, Kelly Goddard. Uh, Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm really living in the grandioseness. 
<laughs> yes, I'm going to keep track. I'm going to keep track. We've said it three times so far, so far, you know, and that is a big deal because the journey of ministry leadership does not always feel like grandioseness, but no. I have a feeling what we're going to talk about today with you is going to help people get to more grandioseness. Let's hope. Oh, I'm already sick of saying it. We're so annoying. Okay. All right. Let me, so Kelly, I'm so happy to get to have this conversation with, with you. You're one of those people that in person, you are just like super present and paying attention and you have this very calm and warm demeanor and all of that is true. And also somehow you are this crazy powerhouse leader that I cannot keep <laughs> up with all the incredible work that you're doing. What in the world? I don't know. Uh, it, it, it really comes down to it all looks better on paper. <laughs> I don't know about that. So tell us of your most, now aside from uh, becoming a grandma, what, tell us about this most recent um, accomplishment of yours because mm. you just needed more schooling, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't stop. Um, and I, I just finished my doctorate. I just graduated with a doctorate in ministry um, with an emphasis in spiritual renewal, contemplative practice, and strategic leadership. Oh is that all? Yeah, See what I mean, everybody? That's grandioseness. That, that. <laughs> and probably <laughs> unnecessary and ridiculous, but I did it anyway. So I love no, it. No, not, not ridiculous at all. And we are going to benefit from all your amazing wisdom and intelligence and mm. um, all the things. So we're going to just jump right in um, because we always start with what is a word? What's a word that has been meaningful to you? Um, and just share with us a little bit about what you're learning about that word. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. My word is self-compassion. And uh, this is a word that I feel like is getting kind of bandied about in culture right now. But in the church, it's something I don't think we have a lot of understanding of. And so that was really the focus of my doctoral studies and really focusing on how self-compassion is a pathway to intimacy with God and sustainability in spiritual leadership. Um, in my own life, I have just found that it has been the shift for me of learning to trust the spirit of God in me as opposed to always working. I, I, it's kind of a, ironic, but instead of trusting just my intellect or the, my head, learning to kind of descend with my head into my heart and operate from who I am and the spirit of God in me. Wow. That was a lot. That was so much to dig into. So self-compassion is um, certainly not a word that we use a lot. You, usually I hear self-sacrifice, <laughs> all the yes. other. No. Self-care is big. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is different. And maybe talk about that a little bit. How is what you're talking about different than self-care, Kelly? Self-compassion uh, is really getting to know what's going on inside of me. So I am offering care, but I'm, 
I grew up in a faith tradition that told me that only there's only bad inside of me. So if I'm going to look inward, I'm going to discover really ugly, rotten stuff as opposed to uh, really finding the core of who I am and God's goodness that exists in my in my renewed heart. Wow. So yeah, that's so true. The ident- so many people talk about a sense of like finding your identity in God and um, it almost feels like it is I, I love I love what you're discussing in terms of, of self-compassion because it feels like it's a it is a partnership it is a link um, of, of you and God versus this sense of like a removal from like God God is distant in terms of like that one place versus who I am as a reflection of God um as an identity like piece of my identity which is really really interesting i'm very intrigued by that thought process yeah it's been intriguing for me to dig into it as well and i've been surprised at how open people have been to even considering it and and even in my theology having to say where does scripture talk about this in terms of what's happening in my inmost being it's been it's been a great journey for me why do you think people are so receptive to it? I mean, it sounds like you're a little surprised at how receptive people are. It's like they 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 know they need this. I don't know. why. What, has something shifted just in our leadership, in our world, that's making us ready for that? That's a great question, Andrea. And I guess I can, I think yes. In one sense, I feel like the Holy Spirit is doing a work. And so when I come with this, suddenly hearts feel receptive to it but i think it i think people have and women in particular which is who i'm speaking with mostly are oh there there's something missing like i know there's something in me that wants to do good and and wants to be better and shame we talk a lot about shame and uh self the self-critic that we have in us and and turning towards that and giving that part of us compassion so we can start the process of healing Mm. yes yeah it's a scary place to go to that's for sure yeah if we don't though we really risk having just a cerebral kind of faith Mm -hmm. and we uh we don't really get to know who God is in us. Mm. Yeah, there's so much to be said about that narrative that I think that I don't think is wrong and is absolutely has its place and and has scriptural foundation of like we are born with a sin nature, but that is not what define like that is not the only defining point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not only that you, um, you know, that we deserve death and that uh, Christ's gift of grace is salvation to us, but that. Um, despite our sin nature, like our desire and the, the urgency and eagerness to be continually forming and growing more and more like Jesus exists in the, in the same space. And there's a lot, I think, of some of the more, I would say, antiquated, like Bible thumping, you know, fire and brimstone <laughs> that like it eliminates, right, that very important quality of of the desire within us to be more and more like Jesus and what draws us in that direction as much as our sin draws us, which is, uh, you know, I, I love that it, it, it feels like a very fresh perspective for me. And so I'm, I'm continually intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what do you say to people who, you know, I think so many of us focus on these kind of leadership strategies, things we can learn, things we can apply. And I've talked to you, I know you are 
so good at that stuff. But I wonder, do you see a lot where we're doing that so much that this whole other piece is missing? Like, where does that fit in? And where are you seeing a disconnect for the leaders that you work with? That's, uh, I, I see it in myself, first of all, that it's easier to take a, a strategy and apply something, read more, learn, you know, uh, start with why, do all the delegating, do uh, the newest leadership pieces, and yet I still come with who I am. And we do know we come with our own baggage, but we also come, I, I began for me with a search in Ignatian spirituality of talking about what's my unique good in the world. And in order to do that, I have to be able to talk about both my unique good, good things that God put in me, as well as my unique pain, my experiences where I fail. But how does all of that come together in God's economy and make me a better leader? And, and believing that the, the greatest gift I have for the world is showing up as my authentic and continually developing more whole self. Thank you for that. That's some people I think needed permission to come holistically to their leadership space and not set the other things that are undesirable aside. So that's a really, really good word. And, and it kind of does bring us to our next question. But really quick, I just want to say that one thing that has a lot of grandioseness is the birds that are in the background of somebody. I don't know which one of us it is. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not me. I was going to say it's Santa me. I come, I come with this, you know, with a sound uh, track behind me. No, I, yeah, I chose crows for today's uh, podcast. <laughs> I really like the ambiance, and there's just nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. Well, much, no, it's real. That's how it most goes, time, right? Most of it has been this, uh, this lovely chirping bird sounds. And then, yeah, every once in a while, it's like, ah, ah. And I don't know what was happening. Listen, okay. that, crow, just, that crow is bringing its unique, its unique <laughs> call yes. to this call. Aaron, look at you applying immediately. It's brilliant. You know what? So appreciate she, this. Nothing is lost on Aaron. Um, okay, so you you kind of talked about what uh, you know th this shift that has happened for you. So as we think about kind of like if you were to look back on yourself and kind of give it a warning or you know have learned something from where you've been and maybe where you've tried to not do it this way. <laughs> what would that look like? Like, what would you say to your 30 years ago self or whatever um, along the topic of what we're saying here? I mean, there's so many things. I would say, oh, sweetie, <laughs> I would be very her. <laughs> but um, I, I think one of the biggest things for me is very early on in, in ministry settings, and particularly as a woman in ministry settings, I and, and keep in mind that was a long time ago. That was, I started out, I did start out 30 years ago in ministry, even a little bit longer than that. So that was a time when I was trying to make change. I really believed that I had something to offer and I could be in what I thought, what I knew were unhealthy systems. And I felt like, I was a crusader. I was going to change things. And so I, what I did was I stayed in really unhealthy environments way too long, uh, really trying to make change when people didn't really want to change. And it ended up being not good for me and not good for organizations as well. So that would be my wow. warning. Yeah. Where would, had you been self-compassionate 
in that Mm -hmm. setting, what would have looked different? I would have understood that I was worth more uh, and that that perhaps that what I had to offer was valuable, but I didn't, that there were other places where I could go and use that. I do think there are people who have the call or the capacity, uh, the desire to to really bring about change in organizations, but I didn't, that ended up really harming me because I hadn't done enough of my own work to get out of my own way. Wow, that is so, I was gonna say, so vulnerable and gracious for you to share. I think a lot of the folks, because so many of the people in the label community are at different seasons and tenures and working in ministry, I think that's so powerful in the sense that, especially as women, I think there's a fear in like those situations where we go, you know what, this might not be working and that is okay. And it doesn't mean that what I am doing is incorrect. If I'm still feel, if I feel like I have this genuine call from the Lord to be doing this specific thing, maybe this is not the place. And is it, is it worth, you know, taking kind of, um, a step back and saying, Hey, I don't have to, as my mother would say, uh, round, round square peg, round hole this, right. Mm -hmm. There's this beautiful, I think, especially as women in ministry, there's this fear of, of, of letting go or recognizing that like, Hey, something I am pursuing might not be working and that is okay. Right. There's the, uh, I have, I had a great mentor many years ago share with me the like, you have to approach life as a winner learn every opportunity is a chance to succeed or to learn something new that points you in a better direction, which is, um, very much a like platitude, but it, it is, it is really powerful to look back and say, I wish I had given myself the freedom to recognize that not everything pans out the way I hoped it would. And that, that isn't, that isn't always necessarily a failure as much as an opportunity to have learned a different, you know, a different direction. I love how you just said that, Erin. I think it even, it even more accurately describes what I experienced in that time, which was, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe there's, I wanted to fit in um, and create change and that dissonance uh, created a real, a real problem for me. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So what would you say for somebody, you know, I know that some of our listeners are leading in spaces where certainly they are trying to make change and there's varying degrees of how healthy those settings are. But for somebody who, like you said, maybe is feeling like God has not released them from that or however you want to say it. Um, They want to grow in self-compassion and also be able to hold, you know, to be obedient, to hold this calling, but not, um, you know, sacrifice so much that they end up sort of destroying themselves or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like I do. Yes. In that tension, what are some, steps they could take or what are some things to be considering as they move toward self-compassion? Well, I I would actually say it's not even moving towards self-compassion as much as this is the strategy of uh, of where self-compassion is the key. So self-compassion says, I'm noticing that I feel really um, anxious when I'm in this person's presence or when I'm doing this thing. And instead of shifting a strategy, I turn inward and say, wow, where is that anxiety coming for? Or where from? Where's this 
I, I notice I'm becoming so self-critical or the, the, the words that I'm saying in my head, my, my messages to myself are really negative or judgmental um, and beginning to look inward to find out, uh, to hear the voice of God saying stay or go or what is, what's, what's the invitation for me to not have shame about that but to recognize I have, I have a part of me, there's a wound in here that is really screaming right now and am i trying to create change to make myself feel more comfortable or am i is this a call that god's giving me and learning to to listen to does the voice of uh, my calling come with love and compassion and courage and creativity or is it characterized more by um, insecurity, judgment, and some of the other emotions that are not bad, but that show me that there's something going on deeper inside of me. It's not really the spirit of God speaking in me. Yeah, it's, um, it sounds very free, you know. I, I yeah. think for women to be able to very freely um, look at those parts of them and the, the things in us that are bubbling up that we don't really like and asking, you know, why noticing first of all, and asking why, yeah, why, why am I reacting that way? Why am I feeling anxious? What, what wound in me am I trying to compensate for? Those are so good. Yeah. Our tendency is, and I, I understand it and I've done it is to just say, God, take this away. Or yeah. to say, um, Lord, forgive me for this. But then I leave mm -hmm. it. And it doesn't actually, what God's bringing up is an invitation to a space that God wants to heal in us. Not mm -hmm. uh, so, and because God's dwelling in there, bringing up in his loving kindness areas where, uh, where we might more and more reflect God if we would deal with this as opposed to just I want to push that down because that's not of God mm-hmm yeah wow. yeah I was hearing somebody speak recently to a, a room full of pastors kind of talking about what it is to be um, compassionately walking with people and, and really listening mm. and, and really helping them be open and this the strategy they talked about was to just keep asking why, you know, when somebody shares something, oh, well, why did you feel that way? Oh, because this, this, okay. And why was this, this, oh, because of this, this, and why was this, this? And it was, it, it was so simple, but it was like, um, really helping people peel back the layers. And, and when I, when you were saying that just now, I think so many of us are maybe asking what, like, what am I supposed to do? What do I, how do I, what am I yes. supposed to be or say or whatever? What, it, what does the leader part of me say? And it kind of sounds like you're saying like looking inward is like, why am I drawn to this? Why am I repulsed by this? Why is there resistance in me? And letting that be the path. I mean, does that resonate with Yes. That's, that's so much what it is. And can I add to that? This is the way to offer compassion to others. Because if I, mm. I really truly believe I cannot give to others what I don't possess for myself. So if I can't ask myself the why questions, they won't be as authentic when I ask them of others. So again, that's a strategy. But if I'm already accustomed to asking the why questions and when I see someone else hurting or lashing out at me, I can begin to ask, 
why, uh, what, what are some possibilities? What, 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 what pain must be emerging in this person or what defense mechanism? It, it shifts how I see not just myself, but how I see others as well. Mm. So it sounds like you're saying how we treat ourselves is how we're going to treat other people. <laughs> I Duh, do believe right? that. Like, I, I mean, I feel so like that's really true. Yes. Yes. I think that there's something to be said of how much, like I recognize it all the time in my personal life, how much grace I'm willing to give another person, how much patience, how much love, how much time I'm willing to give someone else and how, how hard I am on myself. Um, I, I love this idea of, of what you've discussed of instead of trying to kind of like, forgive me, Lord, for having this thought or this feeling like, Lord, help me investigate why I'm feeling this way. Yes. Because there is this feeling of uh, no one likes to feel incompetent and there's this fear, right? But at the same time, God's word is clear to us that like his grace is sufficient and that when we are exactly said, when we are at our weakest point, at, at those points is when the Lord's power is its most strongest in us, right? When we're willing to say, Lord, as opposed to like, forgive me for being this, for, for feeling this way or for having this thought, or Lord, please take away this anxiety. Please take away this, uh, distress, like Lord help like, like I'm leaning in Lord. Why? Like, show me why help me understand why, as opposed to kind of packing it down, which, you know, women are so good at, at finding, you know, I know we all have done this, right? Like, like, companies coming over and you have that chair in your room where like all the clothes are on those that chair so you just pick it up and put it in the closet and close the door right like you did what Erin I've never ever done that, that. Horrible, I, I I can't even believe you just said that that has never happened to me <laughs> but we're so good at that we're so good at like taking taking those things taking that big pile of anxieties off our the chair in our mind and putting it in a closet because we have other things we have to do and I love this sentiment of of, of being compassionate with oneself to really, to ask God to lean in, in those spaces, um, as opposed to trying to, to, or trying to be hard on ourselves for even having those doubts or thoughts. I think that's, that's a, a really important earmark in the walk, in a walk with Jesus is, is not recognizing like your doubts, your concerns, your anxieties are not affronts to the Lord as much as they are recognition of, of his sovereignty. In fact, the whole, just, it's so opposite. If you just watch Jesus walk through the gospels and he turns towards sinners in the same way that if we think of him as, as Jesus as being in us, that he turns towards that, which is ugly and undesirable in us and brings healing to it. But if we won't look at it, he can't bring healing. I, I just think of the woman mm. who who came in with the perfume and uh, covered the feet of Jesus. And, and he says to the, the host, to Simon, you know, who, who has greater love for me, the one who has, you know, who, or the greater gratitude is the one who has been forgiven more. Well, she wasn't been forgiven more than Simon. She just acknowledged that she had <laughs> her sin. And she, that's how, who received the grace and the gift was the person who came with their sinfulness, with their ugliness, and just loved and received the love of God, allowed herself to receive God's love. So that's, mm -hmm. that's what I am wanting more and more of in my own life. Mm -hmm. And you are, I'll just affirm you, like you are helping other people have that more in their life too. And it's, it's mm -hmm. huge. So I know that as we kind of get 
kind of wrap our conversation up a little bit, you have gotten to work with a lot of leaders, a lot of women. Like, where have you seen this show up? Like, where has, where have you kind of just been wowed by, by seeing this or just seeing how, how people are engaging with the spirit in, in this way? I actually just got back from Lebanon where I did a couple of retreats and we, we really focused on this aspect in a number of different settings where I didn't know how it would be received. And I, I had one of the first, one of the retreats, I asked the women in groups around their table to share an emotion that they were feeling. And they were really put off by it, a number of them. And they talked about how we can't talk about emotions here if they're negative, unless they're, they have to be positive. Um, and so we started a whole, a whole conversation started and there were 50 women and one table, one woman just stood up and just said, hey, at our church, we're starting to do this and it's changing us. And so I just was, another woman stood up in the back of the room and I had done some just um, breathing and slowing and learning to regulate emotions with the, and, and descend with the head into the heart. And she said, I'm 60 years old and today I just learned how to breathe. I didn't, I never knew how to do this. I'm holding so much. These were all ministry leaders. And I think um, that this is the compassion of God. Because to be honest, when they walked in, I thought, I don't know if this group is going to be really receptive to this. And I was so wrong. God had already been doing the work and they taught each other. And I, I left in tears just saying, God, I'm amazed at your spirit as that is at work with your um, unbounded compassion for us. I'm so glad that you got to see that firsthand and that you came with trusting with what God had given you and even with the fear and the worry that, you know, maybe are they going to be receptive and that's an incredible incredible thing that you got to be part of. Yeah. I mean, I got to watch God work. It's pretty cool. Pretty what cool. A powerful thing to see it. Yeah. In a different cultural setting too. Like so different from, um, from what we're used to. I think that's an incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate so much just your insight on this and this perspective is it makes so much sense and also it is so new to so many of us where we've just been having you know just a different a little bit of a different trajectory and if we could just shift it towards some Mm -hmm. of these things you're talking about oh it would make such a difference such a difference um if you guys want to find Kelly, um, her website is deepwellleaders.org. And as you can tell by just getting a little bit of a taste of her in our time together, the way that she comes alongside, whether it's groups, individuals, um, in a teaching aspect or in more of a coaching aspect, it's really powerful. And so I just want to encourage you again, that's deepwellleaders.org. You know, Kelly, we always have like a fake autobiography title that our <laughs> guests have to go write. And I don't know if I, I don't, usually mine are like stupid and Aaron's are actually meaningful, but I wrote today, I chose prose. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that can't be the name. I don't know. I literally have nothing. Grandioseness. I I, you know what though, there's, there's something you mentioned and a phrase you used that I thought was like so powerful because it is the, the, 
the crux of like what this act of self-compassion means for an impact to the kingdom. And I love like that phrasing of like giving to myself to give it away. Like how can I give something away that I will not give to myself? And so um, I love that sentiment. And I, so I, in my mind, I'm like giving to myself to be given away this idea Mm. that what we, what we are willing to, to where we are willing to meet the Lord in our personal walk means that we have that much more vulnerability, openness, and willingness to see that. other. I think we're really good at seeing it in other people, taking the chance to see those things in ourselves is a really powerful um, impact to the kingdom, I think. Yeah, it's good. Well, we've got, um, if I gave you 30 seconds, Kelly, any last thing that you just feel like you want to (laughs) say to those who might be listening? The last thing I would want to say is that this all begins with grounding in God's compassion for us. And so Mm -hmm. it becomes, it's not even just me offering myself compassion. It is me, first of all, connecting to the, the love that God already has for me. And it is, uh, so I, I, I think I just want to clarify that because I, it isn't about me, um, mm-hmm. but it is in me and uh, it is already available to me. And I, but I want to, I want to feel it in every cell of my body. I want to embody the compassion that already, already exists in me with the spirit of God. That's the title. Well, that, it isn't about me, but it, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. That that is a perfect thing to close on. Thank you for <laughs> for just kind of reframing it with all of that, and thank you so much, Kelly, for your time. Oh, what a blast, ladies! You're so much fun. <laughs> it was it was fun. It was fun. It's 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 easy to have fun on this podcast. Um, but I, I, thank you yes. so much. Oh yeah, just you guys that are listening, um, be encouraged. Go back, pause it. Stop and listen to, pay attention to what's going on in you, that you would more deeply experience God's compassion for you and that that would lead to um, a more more full and holistic way to lead. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks, ladies. Well, we hope you absolutely loved this opportunity to hear from Kelly Goddard, just so full of wisdom, insight, and um, if you'd like to know more, we encourage you to dig in, uh, and you can find Kelly at her website, which is deepwellleaders.org, or on Instagram and Facebook at deepwellleaders to see what she's working on and be able to connect if you're interested in, um, in digging in deep and getting under the surface to find self-compassion in your walk and in your ministry. We would love to remind you that by the time this comes out, so when this episode airs, there will still be two days for you to buy early bird tickets for the Lead Bold Conference that's happening in the Bay Area on September 15th and 16th. We are so excited for this time and this event to get a chance to lean in closer to God and hear from incredible women in the community. There are multiple different ways to to get tickets too. We have opportunities if you've been an alumni and have been to one of our conferences before there's a discounted ticket for you and a friend there are group rates and a ton of opportunities to get women who um, really are in need of a resource like this a community like this where they can um, not only go deep with God but have a supportive resource and community around them to help them grow we encourage you to find out more at leadingbold.org or uh, follow us on our socials at leadbold Well, we look forward to the next time we get to meet. And until then, we hope that the Lord is filling you richly and that you are finding self-compassion in your own walk.